This tells us something. Human society is interesting. Bodhi Vaishnavism teaches that human society is not something to run away from. When we hear it first, it sounds like humanity's bad. Give up your wife. Give up your husband. Give up your house. <laughs> give up everything. Your body. You're not this body. That's all part of the theology. But what that's telling us is step back from the human experience enough. Step back from it enough that you can look at it objectively. When you're too close to it, you can't look at it objectively. So it's telling us step back, and then you can see it for what it is. So the first thing we see about it is, wow, it's not what I thought it was. All these bodies are here today, gone tomorrow. These relationships are fraught with so many difficulties and problems, and there's repeated birth and death, and there's a lot of problems. Hmm. But keep looking. See, this is what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is teaching. Don't stop there. Keep looking. And as you keep looking, you find Vishvam Purnam Sukhayate. Actually, it's, uh, you can fully be in the human life, fully be here from a different perspective. There's no need to go anywhere to change anything. As I've said before, the foundation remains the same. The structure remains the same. Just change the decorations. Krishna has come. Not Alila. In a human-like form. And Mahaprabhu says, Narabapusarvatam. This human form is, that is the best. Have to realize the fullness of our human potential. That's what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is speaking about. By realizing our fullest potential for love, which can be done in conjunction with, in connection with, the perfect object of love. There's no need to go anywhere. Love Krishna. And then, whatever you're doing, you can do. You can walk into the supermarket, and they have great supermarkets these days, health food stores. They're just like, we've been to some of them. I noticed the other day, they're like, just like, the way they dress them up and everything, and all those shiny organic fruits and vegetables and happy people. <laughs> anyway, you can go into that place happy, not as an enjoyer to take, them, but to offer everything to Krishna. You can live the fullness of human life if it's Krishna-centered. And that's what Golok really is, in a sense, all about. Therefore, we find those ideals of ours, that ashray, alambana vibhav, shelter of love, which is the devotee in Golok, living just like ordinary people attached to their home. I said the other night, the inhabitants of Vrindavan were so attached to Vrindavan that even when Krishna left it, they wouldn't leave. While we teach on one level, don't be attached to your homeland. In the highest level we're teaching about these people who are so attached there to their cows, to their family, friends. When they were informed by Krishna about their next life and shown it isn't Golok, they thought, oh, everything's going to be the same. Nandamarj will be our king. So you see, it's very mystical. We have to understand what that is. Change the center of our attention and motivation. That's all. This is actually very, very esoteric. This is a full-blown idea of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It goes the full circle from drawing away from humanity to being fully involved in it, fully immersed in it. And therefore you find devotees in Chaitanya Lila, for example. How can you explain otherwise? Pundarik Vidyanidhi. Pundarik Bap, Pundarik Bap. Mahaprabhu yelled, and the devotee said, what is that all about? There's one devotee, Pundarik. Mahaprabhu said, like my father. And Krishna Lila's Pundarik was a father of Radha. Mahaprabhu came. He descended in Nadia. And his devotees, he arranged for them to appear around Nadia, outside of Nadia, all over the world, actually. Disseminating, which is all about celebrating the love that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was about. Krishna, in his most introspective moments, a connoisseur of love, thinking, what is the highest love? What is the highest ideal? It's embodied in his better half. He has to taste that. He was mad to taste that. 
the madness of his trying to taste that is making it available to the world. You see, he loses himself in this. That's how we can now take advantage of it. Otherwise, it's a secret thing. It's not possible to access. This is the Achilles heel of the Absolute. If you know this, touch that one point, you get Krishna's attention. Radha, Radha, Radhe. Huh? <laughs> what? He would say. You know that? Come here, be quiet. <laughs> but no, Rupa Goswami wouldn't be quiet. He told it everywhere. Pundarik Bap, he said. Mahaprabhu. And Pundarik was coming to Nadia on a palanquin, smoking a hookah, <laughs> dressed in a, like a fancy Dan. Not like a yogi, not like a swami, a babaji, not like Rupa Sanatan, emaciated, eating every other day if they remember to, smoking a hookah, fat, enjoying himself and carried on a palanquin. Gadadhar Pandit saw, Mukunda had said, come today, I will show you a great devotee. Gadadhar saw and said, what kind of devotee is this? He thought in his mind. Mukunda understood. What did he say? Mukunda, he wanted to save Gadadhar from making any offense. Oho bakiyam tanakalakutam. And this is Radharani's father, who has some Batsalya affection for Krishna. Oho bakiyam tanakalakutam. Oh, who is in the right mind would take shelter of anyone else but Krishna? That person who, what can I say to prove this? Would they be crazy to take shelter of anyone else? That person, Krishna, is the person who, when approached by Putana, who smeared poison on her breasts, how diabolical, an infant coming as mother to give breast milk, but giving poison instead. How was she treated? She got the highest love. She got Patsalya Bhav, Patsalya Rasa. That's that Uddhava again. He's a smart fellow. He analyzed the thing and he thought, you cannot make a case, he said, for taking shelter of anyone else. That would be better than this, this case I'm making for Krishna. And here's the reasoning. This is the example. Mukunda quoted that verse. And Pundarik, smoking his hookah, fell off his palanquin and went into a static trance, frothing at the mouth, hair standing on end, all kind of suffix bobs exploding. Godotter took a second look and thought, oh my God, what kind of person is this? You see, the only reason that's possible is because of what I'm saying about human life and Gaudiya Vaishnavism. If you get the right idea, if your heart becomes melted with love of Krishna and all of your movements are motivated by that alone, this is absolute love, this is unconditional love, and you can appear just in the midst of everything. Therefore, Vaishnavera Kriyamudra Bhignana Bhujai is very difficult to understand the movements, motions, activities of a Shuddha Vaishnav, a pure Vaishnav. If we're lucky and we can glimpse his heart, and this is what Rupa Goswami teaches, if you can glimpse the measure of his faith, that can tell you something more than what you find on the outside. Even on the outside, we can make a good show of love of Krishna, speaking, writing books, only we can make a good show. Or, like some great devotees, they make a very bad show because they're not, they're not really not interested in making the show. They're not doing the preaching like Pundarikvidinidi. And if we look inside and we can, if we're fortunate, we can glimpse their heart, their faith. Mukunda made that possible for Gadadhar by quoting that verse. Oh, then what happened, of course, Gadadhar went to Mahaprabhu and said, I made an offense to Pundarik. What can I do? Mahaprabhu said, take initiation. That's your father. 
Gadadhar's Raka. So this Krishna Leela is very extraordinary. And Mahaprabhu, of course, is the, the steward who helps us to find our way there, to understand, to sort that out. So there may be different manifestations of divinity, the Buddha, the Christ, this, that, and the other. And we offer our respects to them. But we are not going to move one inch from our deity of Krishna for what they're teaching when we make an objective comparison. And we don't need to convince other people, really, about it and argue with them about it. We just need to love Krishna. And nothing will speak louder than that. Really, the dissemination is really an overflow of our own culture, our own love. So this is what speaks volumes. So, Krishna represents the love life of the Absolute. God in love. Devotees love him in five different types of sentiments. These five basic expressions of devotional love, bhakti rasa, may overlap, and each has its own subdivisions, and we come to then Arjuna. Arjuna, the Gita, loves Krishna as a friend with an admixture of servitude. So his love, friendly love, fraternal love, sakya, is mixed with dasya, ideal disciple. Krishna is the guru, Arjuna is the disciple. Vishwambhina Guru Seva, Rupa Goswami says, we should serve our guru with affection and love, affectionately. Render affectionate service. It means friendly. The guru's disciples are, he thinks, like friends. Not in completely, because friendship is on an equal level. The characteristic of friendship is, primary characteristic is equality. So Krishna and his friends, true and pure, absolute friendship, then there's equality. I can push you over, you can push me, and it's complete equality. They do not think for a minute that Krishna is superior to them. They love him. In that sense, he's supreme. But not that he's any stronger or anything. Or... So Arjuna's love is mixed with servitude. So we should love our guru like a friend, but then again, we're not completely equal to our guru. So service, service attitude. And Arjuna's friendship is a particular kind of friendship also, other than being of this combination, because he loves Krishna in a particular setting. That is in Hastinapur, Dwaraka, Mathura, not Vrindavan. So these are all cities, the big town. So his relationship with Krishna, his friendly relationship with Krishna is called Purasambandi. Pura means city. And is specific to Krishna's city leela, as opposed to Krishna's more intimate pastoral braja leela. Among all of Krishna's city friends, Arjun is the most prominent. In Vrindavan, then they have a different kind of bhav and sentiment of friendship, much more intimate. They would never say what Arjun said in the 11th chapter, when the theophany is revealed. Krishna shows himself in a wonderful form. Of course, the emphasis on that chapter, interestingly enough, and we'll get to that some months ahead, is on Krishna's two-handed form. How it is missed by so many. They think that the display of Krishna's universal form is the height of everything. In one sense, it is. Because by it, a contrast is made to his human form, and indirectly light is shed on that for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear what's really being said and what's really going on. The human-like form is more wonderful, more rare, very rare, very special, very extraordinary. Arjun sees Krishna sometimes four-handed, sometimes two-handed. In Braj, of course, he's always seen two-handed. When Arjun saw the universal form, then he became nervous because he knew, hey, Saki, hey, Krishna, hey, Yadava, he called these names, all of which are like the way Arjun used them. And it's saying, I'm sorry I did that. 
was as if, hey, who are you? I'm Arjun. What's your lineage? Which is, of course, in some respects, questionable. Krishna's. He said, oh, I, I sat on the same bed with you. I, I, I did these things. I, I'm, forgive me, but I might have done in haste. In Vrindavan, they would never say that. They would never say that to Krishna. The knowledge of Krishna's divinity never gets in the way of their love in Vrindavan. If it should show itself, like when Krishna lifted Govardhan Hill, there may have been rumors, Krishna killed this demon, he pulled down the two twin Arjun trees, he did this, he did that. Some of the cowards, of course, they saw it, but who can believe young boys? They always exaggerate and talk about so many things. Whoever will be king of the log, he'll be king of the log. This is how they talk. <laughs> I saw some young boys in the summer, we went swimming in the river, and they were floating on a redwood tree, and they're having fun. And the one boy says, whoever's king of the log is king of the log. <laughs> so when they come home and tell a story, what happened, yeah. it'll be charming and interesting, but no one will take it seriously. But when Krishna lifted to go over downhill, everyone saw. Everyone. Every living being got shelter under the hill. A more extraordinary manifestation of Aishvarya, of opulence, of godliness, would be hard to imagine. They saw it, but it didn't change for a minute their sentiment. They didn't think, oh my God, look at this. This is the whole import of that Leela. Of course, Krishna is, was crowned Govinda after that by Indra. Indra means the king of the gods. And Krishna is the god of, of even Indra. He's the god of the gods. He showed that. And what did his friends think? They thought, you need some help. And they put their sticks up there too. <laughs> it only serves, when he shows that, it only serves to increase their sense of intimacy for him, but not for Arjun. So this is the difference between Arjun's type of love, for example, or love of Krishna outside of Vrindavan and love inside of Vrindavan. Before coming to the big city of Mathura and later establishing his capital at Dwaraka, Krishna was raised in Braj. The setting of Braj represents the beauty of simplicity, the beauty of the natural environment. You know, I'm living up at Audarya in the redwoods there and we're building things from the ground up, a monastery there, retreat. And I'm concerned that the nature of the structures and so forth in some ways reflects what we're about. And in one sense, this is what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is about. It's about the beauty of simplicity and the ability to find wonder in even the smallest Krishna, after all, is not God on a throne and he's human-like and, and finding the beauty in that this is something what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is about. So with regard to the structures and so forth, and we tried to design them in such a way that, for example, that the, as I wrote in the previous recent newsletter the, you might have gotten in the email, the inside is like the outside, the line that demarcates the two is hard to find. And, and how well we'll be able to accomplish this, I'm not sure, but we're making an effort that it kind of looks like you put the thing together with things that you found there. Well, I was looking for some bathroom fixtures and because um, <laughs> the bathhouse is now under construction. And so uh, I wanted to find something that represented this, gave this feel. And lo and behold, I went to the, the designer, you know, high fashion designer builders, interior design place. And there I found a sink, it's on a stump, 
there was a rock, it looked like it had a, was it just broken in half, and 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 then a, a very kind of crude sink. Of course, they all worked very well, and it was, and uh, the the interesting thing about it <laughs> is that it cost three thousand dollars for one one sink. I couldn't afford it, but it did have the look <laughs> that I was looking for. And what I thought when I saw it, what it made me think of is, yes, this is Vrindavan. The simplicity is so valuable that people, even living in a world of uh, modern amenities and so forth, to recapture this beauty of simplicity in some way in their life, they're willing to pay so much for that. The king, sometimes, has to get off his throne and take off his crown. It's a burden. And just walk in the forest and appreciate the beauty of nature. This is something to do with the idea of Krishna consciousness, Vrindavan Leela. It's valuable, very valuable. Decorated with ornaments from the forest, its flowers, leaves, and multicolored clays. And crowned with the conjurer's peacock plume, this Krishna, his only weapon, the flute, is said to be Krishna in his fullness. Swam Bhagavan. He is God when God wants to be himself. Relaxing in the company of his intimate devotees, forgetful of even his own godhood in order to facilitate his intimacy. This Krishna is the connoisseur of love, yet subjugated by his lover, Radha. In the language of India's aestheticians, Braja Krishna, subjugated by Radha's love, is the most perfect Purnatama, dear Lalita Nayaka. And as such, he is in no mood to speak Upanishadic wisdom, Krishna. Dear Lalita Nayaka. Now we go back to Bhaktirasamrita Sindhu, nectar devotion. Next thing you have to read. First thing was about the qualities of Krishna. Second thing is about the personalities. The four personality types that are given of Krishna. Dhirodatta, Dhiraprashanta, Dhiralita, and Dhirodhata. Krishna of Vrindavan is the perfect and means Purnatama. It is mentioned in Bhaktira Samrita Sindhu that Krishna is perfect in Dwarka, more perfect in Mathura, and most perfect in Vrindavan. If you read a nectar devotion, you find an editorial error there. It says that Krishna is more perfect in Dwarka and perfect in Mathura. That's the other way around. It's an editorial error. You can look in Chaitanya Charitamrita and Prabhupada's edition there. And he has quoted Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, verse of Rupa Goswami, and there it is shown, Maturadishu and Dwaraka. First he describes Krishna as Purnatama, most perfect in Vrindavan, and then more perfect in Mathura and perfect in Dwaraka. What it means is more of him comes out in Brajalila than in Mathura and in Dwaraka, but all perfect. So perfection within perfection, something like that. So the Dhirlalita Nayaka, and this is, means, this is the aesthetic language of India. It means that there are different types of heroes in drama, the hero. There's the Dhirlalita, Dhiradatta, Dhiraprasanta, and Dhiradatta. Dira means, it's common to all, it means composed. So, Dira Lalita means composed and playful. Dira Prashanta means composed and peaceful. Dira Lata means composed and noble. And Dira Lata means composed and haughty. These are all 
Now, a hero in a drama will be one of these. Krishna is not only all of these, but these four types are represented in the three different places, in Dwarka, in Mathura, and in Vrindavan. So you have a perfect dear Lalita, Nayaka. Nayaka means hero. And you have a more perfect one and a most perfect one. So if you have these four types in three different places, representing three different types of perfection, four times three is twelve. Now you have twelve types of heroes. Now, these heroes in drama are either pati or upapati. They're either married or they're gigolos. So now you've got 24. And then there are four more types of these 24. There's those heroes who are favorable, means that they're faithful to one. And then there are those that are neutral. They're equal to all, no one in particular. Then there are those that are deceitful, that means even when they're caught with somebody else. These are the shameless. Shameless ones means even if they're caught having gone with another lady and the evidence is just undeniable, they deny it. <laughs> the deceitful one is the one who then speaks behind his lover's back. So in this way, from Ujbal Nilmani, Book of Rupa Goswami, that's the sequel to Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, this is further developed so they are, we've got 96 types. Krishna's, uh, resolves all contradictions. You can find an examples in the Leela. Krishna is the dear Lalita Nayaka of uh, Purnatama and, and in Dwarka, Purna and Mathura and, and so forth. Now why is this being brought up here? Because we're talking about Braj Krishna, who leaves Braj to go to Mathura. He goes to Dwarka. He eventually comes back to Vrindavan sends everybody to Golok, then comes out and engages in this conversation with, with Arjuna before the battle of Kurukshetra. So which Krishna is doing that? The dear Lalita Nayaka, that composed and playful lover, which is the object of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, that most perfect dear Lalita, playful Krishna who drew, you know, the example is, when no one was looking, he drew dolphins on the gopis' breasts, composed but playful. This is our object. Now, the question is, if this is the ideal of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, what interest do we have in Bhagavad Gita? That very leela of the Dilalita Nayaka is gone. He sent it to Golok. What interest do we have in Bhagavad Gita? A lot of interest. That's the answer. And that is worth discussing. That Krishna, dear Lalita Nayaka, as I said here, is in no mood to speak Upanishadic wisdom of the Bhagavad Gita. So why should we be concerned? And who is the Krishna in Dwarka, or who speaks Bhagavad Gita? Okay, that is the dear Prashanta Krishna of Dwarka. So, Krishna of the Gita, while the same person, he's one person, is in a different mood from Krishna of Braj. As is the case with all of his moods, his emotional makeup in his Bhagavad Gita Lila is relative to the nature of his accompanying devotees, love. Once he leaves Braja on his mission to establish Dharma, Krishna is surrounded by devotees who have greater awareness of his godhood. This sense distances them from him slightly, introducing formalities into their dealings not found in his relationship with the devotees of Braja. In the city, Krishna, the village adolescent, matures 
into eternal youthfulness. Nabayovana. You know Krishna's Poganda Lila? Is it Kumar Lila, Poganda, Kishore, and then Jovana. Kishore is still in Vrindavan. Jovana has gone to Dwarka, Mathura. In the city, Krishna, the village adolescent, matures into eternal youthfulness. He becomes a judicious prince, peaceful, humble, and wise. In the ascetic language of Bharat Muni, he is the perfect Purna, Dira Prashanta Nayaka. It is this Gita who speaks Gitopanishad, the Bhagavad Gita. He's equal, he's neutral, he's peaceful, composed. This is Krishna's relationship with Pandavas. This is Krishna of Bhagavad Gita. Now again, what is our interest in this Krishna? What do we have to do with this Krishna? And what do we have to do with Bhagavad Gita? When our interest is said to be, according to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings, in Niralita Krishna of Vrindavan. From Bhagavad Gita we come to know of Krishna's divinity. In the light of this knowledge, his village life takes on a new meaning. The informal simplicity of the Brajalila is like a black backdrop that causes a valuable jewel of Krishna to shine that much more. God's acting like a human to the extent that he falls in love as Krishna does with Radha is indeed a sweet and charming expression of his divinity, one that gives us a clue as to how to approach him such that he becomes easily accessible to us. When the Absolute is overcome by love, he manifests a transcendental need that arises not from inadequacy but from the fullness of love. The nature of love is such that it causes one to feel both full and in need of sharing one's fullness. Krishna becomes most accessible to anyone acquainted with this inner necessity to share his love, with his inner necessity to share his love. This is the sacred secret of the Upanishads to which Sri Gita ultimately points. While establishing the general principles of Dharma, Krishna reveals the glory of Prema Dharma, the Dharma of love itself. Now, I've been uh, discussing this for some time. And there are several pages still to read. And as you can see, I get distracted from the reading with various thoughts and whatnot that I share with you. I don't want to um, extend this to the point that um, it's uh, too much information to take in. So I'm going to suggest that we, we stop here. And the answer to the question that I've raised... We'll wait until our next session and you can think about it. What interest does Bhagavad Gita have to us in the Vira Prashanta Krishna, who's speaking Upanishadic wisdom? What this interest does it, he have to us who are interested in Dhiralita Krishna? It's been explained slightly in this purport, but it will be elaborated upon. So, are there any questions? Again, for those who want to return, you have to read, make an effort to read about Krishna's qualities. Nectar Devotion, Krishna's Four Personalities, that I just went over in brief. First chapter of this edition of Bhagavad Gita, which we will email to you. And that's all. I had more, but we didn't get that far. So we'll finish the introduction next time, and probably we'll get into the first chapter as well. So again, any, any comments, any question? I'd like to share a little bit of information. Um, Please do. I'm about and how we can't prove materially that 640 million people died there. Um, just last night I watched a news documentary about Yellowstone Park. It's the oldest park in the United States. 
and up till now, people only knew of 60 waterfalls, and three men did research and they found 289 more waterfalls. Hmm. Two of them were taller than the tallest previously thought waterfall. Wow, that's so, quite a park. Yeah, so. <laughs> but it's astounding. I mean, in this day and age, you would have thought that helicopters would have gone over and photographed everything or mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. something. And yet here, they, what is that, quintupled the number of known waterfalls. There's always more to find out. Yeah, yeah our knowing is very limited. And that's, of course, one of the principal arguments that Prabhupada used to make. Basic argument that, well, it may sound like a fantasy to you, but you sound like a fantasy to me. That's more or less what Prabhupada would say, to think that such things are not possible unless they work for your mind and your reasoning. And that's a very good argument. Actually, it solidified thousands of people in basic shraddha for Krishna and separated them from faith in their sensual and mental and intellectual powers of knowing. A very, very important argument. Yes? This may be jumping ahead to the next session, but um, I've been reading the second chapter. Yeah. I also happen to be reading the uh, second canto of the Bhagavatam. And um, it was right, I just finished the verse. There's about 10 or 15 verses where Krishna spends a lot of time distinguishing the soul from the material body. And Prabhupada makes a comment in one of the purports that the reason Krishna had to go make this distinction for Arjuna between the soul and the body was to bring him to the point where he could begin to describe devotional service. In other words, unless one comes to that level of understanding his uh, spirituality, there's really no meaning to considering a relationship with God. And I'm also reading in the second uh, canto where Prabhupada's uh, noting that um, when Sukadeva Goswami is explaining um, the nature of Krishna to uh, Maharaj Priki, Maharaj Priki's first questions about the Absolute, even though he's in love with Krishna and he's, he's mentioning how Krishna's the, the greatest, and the first thing he begins to ask about is how God is maintaining the world and how does he come to whatever his incarnations and so he doesn't ask the details of the intimacy of God to begin with but he begins to ask about the greatness of God and then mm -hmm. again Prabhupada makes the point that unless one be, understands the greatness of God he really can't go further mm -hmm. well that's certainly part of the answer to the question why dear Prashanta Krishna and the Upanishadic wisdom he speaks in Bhagavad Gita is relevant to those who are interested in Vrajalila this is really important to me because I'm, I'm one of those devotees who, who haven't read Nectar Devotion in a long time. But let me make one point to you as well. One of the, the principal idea behind that type of emphasis, that you should become spiritual. And without becoming spiritual, or let's say in proper language, without realizing that you're not the body, you cannot understand Krishna Lila. The reason for emphasizing that is, well, it's true, but it's the point that's being made is not that you shouldn't understand theoretically about Krishna. Who is Krishna? What are Krishna's qualities? What is the philosophical foundation behind the whole ideal? You want to love Krishna? Well, is that just some emotional outpouring like everybody else wants to love somebody? What's the philosophy behind that? So there's a whole world, spiritual world. 
Rupa Goswami is describing, what it's made up of. There's a difference between that kind of explanation and Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, where he's describing the different constituents of rasa and so forth. There's a difference between that and sitting down and discussing how Krishna played a particular trick on Srimati Radharani so that he could loosen her blouse and, uh, you know, so on. There's a difference between wanting to sit down and talk about that and be preoccupied with that and talking about Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and everything that's in there. And the idea behind emphasizing, you should understand you're not the body, is also that without undergoing the kind of discipline and practice that's required for self-realization, whatever you may know about theoretically is not very valuable. You don't really know. It doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't know the theory. We shouldn't learn those things. We shouldn't understand as far as our capacity is to do so. Therefore, the books have been written. Prabhupada, for example, didn't write Nectar of Devotion and think that we shouldn't read it. He never made a comment, only read the first part. Don't read the last part. And to be honest with you, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu is a very basic book in Gaudi Vaishnavism. The problem here, of course, is Gaudi Vaishnavism is not a very basic theology. It's a very complex, very refined, and very high theology. So we shouldn't abuse that kind of instruction to not bother to find out the philosophical support for the ideal of Rasananda and the theory of how it works. But we shouldn't abuse that, saying we should find out about those things, by just uh, being concerned with talking about Lila and Bhava without any connection with Tattva and philosophy and so forth. We don't want you know, just the head of Krishna. We want the whole body from the toe all the way up to the top of the head. We want everything. And yes, there's a systematic way of going about it. And the first thing that Sukadeva Goswami actually tells Parikshit Maharaj is to conceive of God as the universe. And we're all the way up into the fifth can, though, and Parikshit Maharaj asks more about that. That's what opens the whole discussion about the sun closer than the moon or whatever it is and all that cosmology. Prigit Mars says, actually, uh, I want to know more about the material energy. Wow! It's God's Shakti, and I understand that by understanding it, in terms of its being a Shakti, that one can become enlightened and in, in love with him. So we should be interested in every aspect. And again, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu is, is, is really kind of like, just kind of given the, the whole basic idea of what Rasa is, it is basic, these basic elements. It's not that esoteric. Well, it is pretty esoteric, but it's different than... It's not a Leela book, really. It's a philosophical book. It's a book of Tattva. It's not a book of Leela. It explains the philosophy of Bhav and Leela and Rasa. So, I mean, for example, the extent to which we discussed it today, the qualities of Krishna. We don't want to abuse the idea that, well, you can't really understand Krishna until you understand you're not the body. So don't tell me anything about the qualities of Krishna. The fact of the matter is, hearing about the qualities of Krishna and such will be the greatest impetus to focus ourselves on those practices that are relevant to us in terms of where we are, in terms of going to where we want to be. Unless you know something about the ideal, well, how are you going to be inspired to go there? So, everything in balance. And now it's, you know, 25, 30 years 
we should read an act of devotion. <laughs> yeah, that would be useful. But Prabhupada, you know, was very, very correct, very justified in the way he answered so many questions. Like, for example, why does Krishna do this? Uh, whatever it might be. Why is Krishna um, chasing after Radharani? He, 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 give me an example. He would say, why don't you go there and find out? This is the emphasis of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur. This is a characteristic of the mission of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur that distinguishes his mission from so many other missions of the time. And we are all connected to that. This is where our line of Shraddha has come. We should understand that point. It's a very important point. It's sometimes billed as being anti-intellectual. I'll give you an example. It's on a video. Sridhar was asked something about a book named Ujwal Nilmani. You know what he said? I don't know. I never read it. Our Guru Maharaj prohibited us from reading it. And then he said, but I'm not an atheist. In other words, I, in one sense he's saying, I don't think that because I didn't read one particular book, but I followed my Gurudev in doing so, I'm going to miss out on something. I mean, if you know who Sridhar Maharaj is, he was a, such a scriptural genius and so forth. He said, I never read Ujwal Nilmani, but I don't think, my Guru Maharaj told me not to. So, this, I'm just making this point. This emphasis of Gordi is practice, practice, apply yourself, then you will know. Don't cheat yourself. Don't cheat yourself. Don't be sahajya. Don't cheat yourself by just gathering information and thinking that you're going somewhere and a head full of information that you can spill out and look good amongst others for doing so. Don't waste your time with that. Serve Krishna. Surrender. And this is... Anybody who is in ISKCON or in any mission of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, for the most part, this is the kind of emphasis. And they don't know things. A lot of the people, they don't know things. And some will say, you want to know something that your Guru Dave didn't tell you. Like, who you are in relation to Krishna. A slight, you know, oversight. Well, I'm here. I've come to tell you. We should say, no thank you. If we have faith in our Guru, they said nothing. And that's uh, so many people doing like, come on, I will give you the real initiation. I'll tell you who you are. He didn't tell you? He didn't explain? It's inside the mantra. Your relationship with the Christian is inside the mantra. He didn't tell you what it was? I'll tell you. We said, no, he gave me the mantra. It was to chant the mantra. So you tell me, I will know. Will I know? What will you know if I tell you? If I tell you that you are such and such, what, what, would, that, what would that mean to you? We're not very much interested in that. We're interested in service, sacrifice, sharanagati, surrender, seva. But we can't use that as an excuse to be uneducated. And if we have some capacity to think and read, and our Gurudev has given books and so forth, so don't cheat yourself on the, either side. But service and surrender is really the requirement. And then Brihad Bhagavatamrita, what could be a better example? Gopa Kumar didn't know anything. He was a gopa. That means go to India and see what a gopa is. Go talk to one of those guys, that young boys that's herding cows. See what kind of conversation you can have with them. What is the, you know, what's the level of their vocabulary? How well they are, you know, aware of, you know, various uh, systems of thought and education. Nothing, but they can talk to cows. <laughs> cows listen to them. That's interesting. <laughs> but anyway, my point was, Gopal Kumar didn't know anything. He got his mantra. He chanted the mantra. He didn't know the meaning or anything. He went to Goloka. Of course, if some explanation is there, that's fine too. But yes, sorry. Oh, you really um, sparked my interest in desire and 
<laughs> yeah, read those sections also in Dr. Srimita Sindhu, and you may have some questions from Dr. Devotion. And this is good. You see, the reading enables us to actually find out that there's a whole body of literature, and all these things really work together. And they're not like isolated, separated. They're all connected. And how they're connected, as you start to get into it, you're able to actually live inside of the literature. There's a whole world there. So, please don't be late for your other appointment. Well, you drove quite a ways to come here tonight, all the way from Santa Cruz. Oh, I'm, I'm just thinking of you have the long trip back. So maybe we can take a little break and there'll be some prasadam. Shimon Bhagavad Gita ki jai.